Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Uh, this is going to be our debrief of our eight-day jaunt through Scotland. Um, we partnered with Visit Scotland to put together what is ultimately going to be season two of our Tourist Sauce series. I know I touched on that a bit in the last podcast. Um, let's talk about the gen- uh, the trip coming together, kind of the trip overall as a whole. We, we wanna bre- we're going to break it down course by course. We played 12 courses over the course of about eight days, I believe. We rocked them. We rocked them. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fawning over each individual golf course because I don't think there's a single thing we would change about our itinerary. We put a lot of research in, uh, into, into sketching this out, and Visit Scotland was incredible at making it happen. So uh, first I want to turn it over to the two guys, Big Randy and Tron, who had not been to Scotland before. I want to hear kind of – your overarching view and your takeaway from spending a week playing golf in Scotland. It ruined golf for me. How so? Uh, I do not want to play golf in the United States anymore. <laughs> Period. Point blank. It's over. It's over. We've surpassed it. We lost it. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. What made it so great? Uh, I think we, we caught, and it was probably a little bit more this year than maybe other years that we could have gone where, the turf conditions were just so insanely good. Uh, it's been kind of a drought. It's been pretty hot over there. And the turf conditions were exceptionally firm and just burned out. And it was everything that you would ever want to hit a golf ball off of. And by kind of, it's like the maybe their biggest drought in the last like 30 years. It's inc- it's amazing. Pictures, I, so I, I love how it shows up in pictures and video. To some people, it might look like a dog track on some of these courses. But you know, like you said, it couldn't be more fun both to hit balls off that turf and to just watch them roll out. And I mean, the courses over there aren't that long to begin with. And they played so unbelievably short. We're recording this right before the Open Championship. So people are going to, we're posting this after. So you're going to have already seen the Open and see how it plays. But Man, it was uh, it was. I've I've been to Scotland a few times, but never seen it like this. And it was without a doubt the best golf experience I think I've ever had. Randy, oh gosh. Um, so I want to preface this by saying like, there's no way I can probably accurately or fully capture and convey my feelings and emotions, but I'll try here in this 30 to 45 second <laughs> window. Um, I, I think for me the biggest thing, you know, Scotland. You always have like this mental image of what Scotland is, right? This was my first trip, and that can be different for for everybody, obviously. Um, I think for me, you know, like when I love golf the most, it's it's being out on a course. It's the serenity. It's you know feeling like I'm actually golfing and moving the ball uh, how I imagine and and how I want to. And I just, the, the, the mental image of Scotland for me has always been like, you know, just an idyllic walk in these old villages, uh, with seascapes and, um, what I was, you know, we, we captured that more than once, you know, it, it just, it, 
that feeling of kind of this image and this feeling that you always had for a place like Scotland to to be able to um, have that come to fruition and, and to actually live that over the course of, you know, multiple rounds is just, you know, it's as good as it gets in the game of golf for me. Deed, you had been to Scotland before, but not in this this realm. What uh, what? How did this this experience differ from your first? And what did what were your, what's your overall takeaway? Uh, it differed because we almost fell over because of how much golf we played. I think <laughs> I don't think I've ever quite hit it uh, that hard. Uh, but it it differed. You know, I think you touched on it, but the conditions are something that, it, like, you know, I don't know how you can you just can't like you physically can't replicate it over here. And there's a lot of reasons. You know, the grass types and the weather and all of that stuff, you know, it's it's one thing to play that grass over there that just basically goes dormant. You know, if you tried to get a course over here <laughs> to play like that, everything would just die and yeah. turn to dirt, and it would be horrible. But to have that opportunity to play it like that is something that, you know, I think Tron said it too. It just kind of ruins you because you, you just – you realize that that's how golf is supposed to be played. It's not – you know, there was no shots, literally zero shots that we played where it was – Okay, uh, it's 150 yards um, to a center pin, so just hit you know your 150 club and try to hit it as close as you can, and it'll hit it stop up in the air. Yeah, I mean, and we got to the point where uh, I don't really know what sparked it. I guess we'll oh, probably playing at Cullen. We'll get into this, but where Tron and Randy and I just ended up taking half the clubs out of our bag for the last three or four rounds because you get to this point where you know you can hit a seven iron either 100 yards or. 200 yards you know based on the conditions and it just gets to this point where it's it's literally more fun to just and more engaging and it just keeps you more present to just want to you know shape shots and and knock stuff down and try to you know run stuff out and and all those different things and i don't i think that's only possible in a place like scotland yeah for me the half set was kind of a necessity because i was starting to get super super overwhelmed by all the decision making and all like there's no point in having all those clubs. Just yeah. you know, like it's more efficient to just be all right. I have to hit this shot with this club. Bottom line. Yeah, yeah. I think DJ, you know, as you were saying that, it's just this onslaught of creativity. The 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 chance for creativity that I think, you know, now having played over there, it's just it's so stark that he, a lot of times you just don't feel that same sense of freedom and choices and, and different ways to play shots and even think about shots um Toronto, to your point yeah it, it kind of <laughs> it ruins it i mean i'm sure we'll all have fun you know playing stateside here again but eventually maybe i don't know I'm yeah <laughs> it's just this yeah it's it's just this freedom to to play to 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 I, be creative i think it makes at least for me i think it makes me play better also because i think when i'm playing over here i just black out for yeah. three or four whole stretches where i'm, I'm kind of like you know, there's just nothing all that interesting about, you know, trying to drive it to the center of the fairway and then trying to hit it to the center of the green. And, you know, it's so much different when you're trying to kind decide, hey, yeah, do around. I want to play driver or three iron? Do I need to, right. how far is this going to roll out? Can I stay short of that bunker? Can I get over that bunker? You know, all that stuff is just, it just keeps you so much more locked in and it kind of lets you not, you know, fuck yourself up <laughs> by, by falling asleep and, and hitting yeah. it in terrible spots, which is what I... I'm a huge fan of doing over here. The Thank mental you. exercise combined with the physical act of it is what makes it so interesting. And it's 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 not only it's not just pick driver out of your bag and and 
slam it down there. Like you might not want to leave yourself a 60 yard shot because you might have to putt it from 60 yards to get it close to the hole. Trying to nip wedges Which off. Which we that did turf. a yeah. lot. Yeah. Or you know, it, it's <laughs> so you even you know some par fives. Like I found myself laying back off a tee to make sure I had like a full shot in. And so instead of trying to hit drivers into like tight little corridors or, or tough angles, like it was uh, all right. This ball's going to run out to what a driver distance would be back in the states, anyways. Like. Be disciplined. Hit a three iron off the tee, and you can still get there. It's not that big of a deal if you have to hit a long iron in. And that part of playing golf is in a big takeaway for me too. Was some of the shorter courses we played, like Killspindy. We're gonna get the whole itinerary here, but Killspindy and Cullen. How you know you read the yardage on a card, even Crail too. I think is under six thousand yards. You read the yardage on a card and think this is gonna be a birdie fest. It's time to attack and go low. <laughs> and I think I. Shot my highest, my three highest scores on the three shortest courses. The, yeah. the way, Short doesn't mean easy. Not at all over there. But I was amazed at how I didn't feel like I was hitting wedges all the time on that course. I found like that was actually a better test of long irons than normal golf mm -hmm. courses typically are. So, oh, there's a lot to take away from this one. I, um, I saw a good quote, but right before we jumped on here from a friend of the pod, Michael Clayton, who was talking about Carnoussi this week, and and his quote was, which probably would have summed up all of this rambling that we just did much faster, but. He said, it's not that green is bad, but a reverence for it is not necessarily good, nor is the excess use of water in order to achieve it. I think that sums up everything. I mean, it's not, you know, like the places in the States should be doing anything differently. Right. It's more that people should be open-minded enough to know that, you know, that's not the only way that it, it can be done. And I think that's what, you know, the open week is, is the biggest reminder of that every year. So here we are again. Well, and it's funny just to talk to all the all the. Hopefully, pros. that played out in yeah. the Open Championship that hasn't <laughs> happened yet as, that you guys have already watched. All the pros and the GMs you go in, you ask, "How's the summer going?" They eyes just light up, like, "Oh, this has been the best summer ever." I mean, everyone just loves playing in those kind of conditions and whatnot. But enough about that. We also were really fortunate; we got very almost no wind. I think relatives, <laughs> relatively speaking, we were actually for Scotland, somewhat disappointed. I know halfway through the trip, we were like, "All right, we're kind of ready for this to ramp yeah. up a little bit." Kilspindy was actually pretty windy. Yeah. Um, but uh, so real quick, our our full itinerary, and I think uh, the, whenever people are planning a trip to Scotland, they, they people ask for advice. My first thing I always say is don't overextend yourself. Don't try to drive too big a distances. Psych. We <laughs> we tested the limits of that usually. And uh, in, in talking with uh, Rue McDonald, who's a, a friend of the podcast as well, he runs the Scottish Golf Podcast and is like the guy you want to talk to about planning a golf trip to Scotland. He'll advise you to say maximum of two regions for a trip. There's basically five main regions in Scotland where you'd want to play. There's Ayrshire, which is way out west. We did not get to make it out there. Um, and then there is the Highlands. There's the Aberdeen area or Aberdeenshire. And then there's Fife, which is where you'll find St. Andrews. And then along about as far southeast as most people will go is East Lothian. Uh, which is where we started our trip. Then we made our way up through Fife, through Aberdeenshire, and uh, up to the Highlands. We actually touched four regions in an eight-day in an eight-day span. But uh, we wanted to kind of. The goal was not to play every golf course in Scotland. We we tried, um, but uh, we wanted to kind of sample a few in in each region and document it along the way. So we started in East Lothian. We played. We got off the plane and rolled directly to Kilspindy. Uh, and we also played nine holes with Hickory Clubs at Musselboro that afternoon. Then we went and played North Berwick the next day, made our way to Fife, played the old course. We played Crail and Ely up the coast and uh, Aberdeen and, and through Aberdeen, played Cruden Bay and Cullen and then Castle Stewart and Nairn up in the Highlands and then Brora and Dornick to wrap it up uh, also in the Highlands. So should we start from the top? Sure. Kill Spindy. 
Um, again, as mentioned, this was one we uh, – I had never played this one before. Uh, we roll up to it, and it was a 5,200-yard golf course. We talked to a couple members in the parking lot. They're like, well, you better get your scoring in here before you get moving because this is the easy one. Oops. I didn't find that golf course easy <laughs> 5, at all. 5,200 playing about 6,800. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I mean, yeah, it was a lot of like short drivable par fours, but I didn't find them easy. I think maybe I birdied one of them and you get yourself in trouble very quickly. Uh, it, but that was our introduction into how fast and firm it was going to be and how, uh, how, I guess that for your guys' first round of golf in Scotland, what was your takeaway from kill Spindy? Well, I'd just like to say I, uh, the first hole is a par three, a little innocuous <laughs> kind of 150 yard par three, which in and of itself is pretty cool. Um, and I hit a terrible seven iron, like short and right. And then I chipped in for birdie. And so it was a great, it was a cracking start to, uh, to my week. You, I, you can't birdie all 207 unless you birdie the first. No. And, and by the way, Randy hadn't touched a golf club in about since Bandon, right? Yeah. Since, yeah, since, since Bandon. Yeah. I little pinched nerve issue in my neck that kind of really flared up. So yeah, this was first time touching a club, get out there, make birdie. So beginning of the trip, Randy's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play more than three rounds, maybe. Yeah, right. You estimated you played three rounds. How many rounds did you play? I ended up playing, what did we play, 207 holes? Yeah. There were 12 rounds. You and I think I missed out on 27 holes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so you liked it. It was okay for you. Well, and you know, being by the seaside, it, it had some medicinal benefits, I think. <laughs> um, You're like one of those people from like the, the 1920s who whenever they get just kind of rare sicknesses, they just... Their doctors say go to the sea. Go to the sea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what my that's what my physical sea. therapist said. She said, just go to the sea. You'll be fine. Um, besides, I should have just quit then and, and been you know under par for my career and under par. But uh, no, I mean the first thing. I, obviously, what struck me most about Kill Spindy one the quirkiness starting with a part three, but then you know you're just the the, the views right. You're just you're out on the sea i know it's like yeah that's Lynx golf but it, it just you know it's to, to see it for the first time it, yeah it was just special it, it was well now like that was a cool piece of land too because gullen was across where they were having the scottish open you so you could see all the all the hospitality tents and everything going on kind of across this little cove um in the first what five or six holes at Kilspindy or I mean, right along the water, and you're playing. You're playing to an infinity green on four or five, and you, know, you can see, you can see Edinburgh in the background, and it's just yeah. crazy good. And then it kind of, we thought it was going to lose some steam as it as it went inland after I think eight or nine goes inland. Um, and if anything, it 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 kept my attention even more. Like yeah. there was there was just some exceptionally interesting par fours and par threes. Um, and then I thought the seventeenth hole, you know, goes up this this hill and it almost looks like a little mini mountain range up there there's this wall that runs through it um walls were a theme i I believe it was was hadrian's wall yeah (laughs) yeah you guys kept saying that that's yet to be confirmed but (laughs) (laughs) you know what kill spinny reminded me of a little bit was um what's the what's the little public course that's right next to the country club brookline oh putter and meadows you know what i mean you got all these like big ass just world class places around it and then you go check this place out and it's it's like a cheaper it was like a mix really of quirky knockoff kind of version Potter of those. meadows so and cool. pacific grove yeah. yeah like mixed together well and that's what we want to we're going to talk about each individual course and you're going to walk away and we're all going to have rave things to say about each one but we're going to do our best to kind of put the courses in different classes right so i would you guys open this up for debate but kill spindy to me 
it's not necessarily the type of course. It's definitely not the course you base a trip around, right? I mean, we the, we 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 touched on some of the biggest name courses, and there's a reason why people line up to play these courses and book them way in advance and base trips around them. Kilspindy though definitely fits the class of a course you need to fit in your itinerary or the type of course you need to fit in to get a variety of experiences and to see what quote unquote normal golf is like in Scotland. Right? Yeah, you need think, the context. I th- yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think there's a couple different trips you can take to Scotland and you can either do the big I'm looking to just check boxes and tell people that I played these courses. And bag tags, baby. Bag tags. You could be the ba- you could be bag tag Barry if you want. That's fine. Uh, and look, there's nothing wrong with that. If you get one no, trip no. if you, if you yeah. get one trip to go over there and you want to do it big, then that's fine. And if that's your your goal, then Kill Spindy's probably not on the list. But if you do want to get a more, you know, kind of wholesale look at what golf is actually like for people who live there, then Killspindy is a huge must. I mean, it was so, so, so like fun. The, the, the day that we played, um, there was a junior event going off right behind us. And I think it was basically us and about... <laughs> Those kids were so much better than 80, us. 80 <laughs> kids oh, yeah. out there behind oh, us. Yeah. And it was crazy. Like, how it was just, it was like, all right. Like, you hear all this stuff about grow the game here. And it was... All those kids were just absolutely golfing their ball. And that's and that kind of course is the perfect place to for a kid to learn the game of golf and for us to like learn how to play a different style of golf also, but they're not going to be if there's nothing overgrown about it, there's no length issues for any of those kids and you learn how to all the short par fours had such awesome strategical elements to it, right? I mean, there's maybe three pot bunkers right in front of a 290-yard hole. You're like, "All right, well, what's my strategy here? Do I lay back and try to hit a full wedge in or do I try to avoid these bunkers, but I have really no control of the ball once it hits the ground? And um, well, and I think that's a, that's an interesting point because I think a lot of times people talk about strategy with golf holes and stuff, and the, the average player is such a shitty player, yeah. <laughs> you know that like the strategy almost never actually comes into play because you're just hanging out for dear life trying to hit the fairway. So when you're playing a shorter course like this, like that stuff is actually relevant to so many more players, right. which I think is what you're saying. You know, with the juniors, and I'm stuff. like pointing at myself. <laughs> like that's you just, but you know what I mean. Just it, described like, me a whole like seven, 17 and eighteen were these two back to back incredibly short fours, and it's you know you have the wind obviously going, you know the same direct like one of them's going to play into one of them's going to play you know downwind and it's just that if you're playing that place every day it would be such an exercise in thinking your way around kind of restraint yeah, yeah. and it's just it's really really cool yeah like uh, in in 18 the the it's this downhill i guess it's a par four i mean who cares uh it was like 230 it's, it's, yeah it's like 230 or 240 yeah. and there's this awesome porch on the back of the clubhouse and everybody's just sitting there having a pint and that was the perfect like in my mind that was the perfect finishing hole well, and that's why I was going to say that the one of the things I was most looking forward to are the finishing holes where the the out of bounds that the property kind of butts right up against a clubhouse, the town, the the what have you. And, and Killspindy was a great little introduction in that, you know, there's essentially off the back of the green and and to the right of the green is you know it's it's staked out of bounds, but it's it's the porch, it's people sitting there having a beer. Um, it, it's just a cool little intimate feel for a finisher that you just don't really get um, in the States. And so that would be a recurring theme and, and one of my favorite aspects of, you know, kind of our trip. I, I also, you know, kind of talking about where to place this course in your trip, like it was the best course, I think, to get off the plane and go play. Yep. Um, it's a, it's an easy walk. It's, you know, again, it's it's relatively flat ground right there by the sea um 
is it the Firth of Forth? Or no, no, no. It, I'm trying to think yeah. of the body of yeah, water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. You okay. got it. You, you um, nailed it. You rocked it, bud. Listen, we rocked it. And so I, I think, you know, if you were kind of making an itinerary with Kill Spindy in mind, it's it's the ideal place to play off the plane, or it's kind of a great late afternoon, maybe, you know, second round of the day where it's a bit more casual. You know, you, you're just not going to get beat up playing out there. We're basically just trying to stave off jet lag yeah, and right. keep ourselves busy and have some fun in the process. But I think the biggest theme that it, it kind of plants in your head um, is just because you can hit a shot doesn't mean you should yeah. hit a shot. So like if you, you know, let's say it's a 290 yard par four, that just because you can reach the green, and I know I'm saying this on a <laughs> no laying up podcast, but doesn't it's different mean, there. Doesn't mean that you hey, should be hitting. Navius Corpus shot. has been suspended <laughs> for today. Uh, but it's also to the to the overall point though, in talking about not overextending yourself for different regions. The point is like there's just lit- there's so much good golf in each region that you don't need to go to all the corners of Scotland to play great courses because there's very good courses right next door that allow you to get more of a depth of what of what the experience is like. And we actually at one point tried to say which two courses are the most similar that we played and kind of had a hard time coming up with that. And still I forget kind of where we concluded on that. There's there, Each course kind of is different, truly different in its own way. Yeah, so. for sure. And we could have played, I mean, we could have played Gullen, we could have played Dunbar, we could have played Winterfield. Like there was, we would have had a hard time getting on Gullen. <laughs> no, the Scottish other, Open. They have they have three courses. Oh, that's there. right, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Come on, Deej. You're right. You're, hey, you're, look, you're right. You're right. So as you might expect, Neil was a bit upset that he wasn't able to join us on this leg of the trip and to uh, defend his major title from Bandon. So he wanted to get a few words in here before we move on to the next topic. All right, listen up. This will only take a second. Just kidding. It'll take about 60 seconds. Neil here, a.k.a. the Merch Czar, to talk about the rogue irons I picked up from Callaway last month. And oh my lanta, am I compressing the golf ball. I asked for a set of clubs that were forgiving for someone who only gets out once every couple weeks as a huge right miss and can't be Ranger Rick out there on the pro-am circuit like Solly. They recommended the new rogues paired with some extra stiff 130 gram shafts to slow down my tempo and keep things a little more consistent. The results speak for themselves. And let me be clear. I took all the money off the NLU boys up at Bandon. I'm getting an extra 10 to 12 yards on each club. And yes, airmail and greens was certainly an issue early in the trip. But I made some in-game adjustments. And you know what? My team and I are pleased with the results. Nippers, scooters, stingers. I'm not hitting any of those shots. But there's no doubt the rogue irons have been a game changer for a mid-handicapper like myself. By keeping my high, lazy, and if I may, majestic fade much more consistent. If you're looking for a set of irons that are forgiving and just plain feel good when you hit them, check out CallawayGolf.com to build your custom set today. Make sure you tell them I sent you. And you know what? They'll probably just ask, who's that Schwaldo? Um, all right, so moving on from Kill Spindy, uh, we actually squeezed nine holes in at uh, at Musselboro, the old links at Musselboro, which is the old old links. So, so each course in Scotland, it's funny how uh, you'll see different rankings in the you know, the yardage books and on their website about where they date in history, and each of them kind of define it a little bit differently. There's, you know, Fraserboro claims to be the seventh oldest club in Scotland, and uh, Musselboro is the oldest course in the world on which golf is still played. Right. Yeah. There was a big. Uh, we had 
maybe the most delightful chat of the trip inside the the pro shop uh, at Muscle Bro, who got kind of like a impromptu history lesson, and they're telling us all about you know Mary Queen of Scots allegedly playing here in 1567, and uh, all, all of this stuff that's going on. And, and the way that they put it was, look, golf was probably played on places that you know before it was played here, but those places are. Gone. have not Gone. been golf courses in centuries we lost it. this is the oldest operating course uh and muscleboro again if you're looking to you know i played here and i did this if, if bag tag barry's not going to the, he's not going to muscleboro <laughs> this struck me so much more like going to a museum or something bag tag barry's up at glen eagles or something for sure yeah <laughs> Lock Lamond. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it was that struck me so much more like like going to a history museum or something than playing golf. Which, which is which was awesome, I thought. Which if you do go there, yeah, you gotta seek out the history. You gotta talk to people. Um, you, you gotta you know, I think that's again kind of a, a theme throughout the trip is you know, folks are so they, they wanna share the, the course history with you. They wanna, you know, give you their experience and and really kind of give you a sense of where you are and so yeah going i mean the do you want to talk about kind of the the history there with the with the open championship should, should probably mention that this course all plays in and out of a racetrack like, <laughs> guys the first a, a horse shot, track a horse track yeah. the yeah. first tee shot is over the racetrack like over into the rail the, into the yeah, middle over the rail yeah it's a mile and a quarter I think similar, just same as Churchill Downs. You should have had a bit of a. You were you were not playing that round. You should have had a bit of a walk around. He was the track. wandering the paddock. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Uh, I wanted to like run a lap, but I was way too tired for that. So yeah, it, it basically it was uh, it was like a seven hole golf course originally in like the eighteen late eighteen thirties, I think, and then by eighteen seventy they'd added two more to to make it a full nine, which was wild because you had. St. Andrews was originally like 22 holes or 20 holes or something. Prestwick, I think, was 12. Um, and so you had the Open Championship was moving around between these three different courses. No, 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 no. Oh, it was please. just at Presswick. Well, at first. but then At first. But then well, they would tell this. Well, they'd have these, these championships that would move around. It would be like Presswick, you know, you're going to play it four times. And then the old course, you're going to play it three times. It, what, just to make, you know, this number. and. Uh, yeah, so so what was the deal? Was young Tom Morris won it at uh, Musselboro three times? He won it Preswick, no, no, Preswick three, three, three years yeah, in a row. So the Open Championship yeah. was at Preswick. That's where it was, and they Randy played it was there. there in a previous life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These are my people. Who's the official scorer? Randy uh, was a line cook at Mrs. <laughs> Foreman's. Uh, so it, it was just at Preswick. That was where the Open Championship was for like ten years. Um, Young Tom Morris won it three times in a row. And so as tradition, if you won something three times in a row, you got to keep the, the trophy. Which we should institute as well. Yeah. So he wins it his third time in a row at Presswick, and he keeps the trophy. Well, all of a sudden, they don't have a trophy then to give out the next year because, you know, Tom's got it. And I guess for whatever reason, Presswick didn't want to pony up the money to – Paid for the new trophy all by themselves. So that's when... Which it was like 12 pounds, you said, right? Or 24 like pounds, yeah. something like that. And, and so that's why St. Andrews, Musselboro, and Presswick then went in together to buy the new trophy. And as part of that, then, it became a rota where the Open Championship would rotate between those three courses. But there were a couple of years where they didn't even have the tournament. But the very first year where they were trying to figure this all out, they just didn't have it because Presswick didn't 
buy the new trophy. So there just wasn't an open championship. And so then, like, after not having it for a year, that's kind of when the, the consortium came together and the Rota began. Look, bottom line, just go to Musselboro. <laughs> go, t- go talk to some people about the that. Yeah, so it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and I, I thought uh, Mrs. Foreman's pub off the fourth hole kind of – Which is now closed. You know, which is RIP. Um, you know, there was some history there. I think Old Tom and – Willie Park were in a match, and Old Tom like walked off the course to get away. Well, yeah, because there were there was this huge rivalry between the two clubs, and <laughs> yeah. Old Tom would hit it in the shit, and basically people would be stomping <laughs> on his ball and and just yelling when he's swinging and all this stuff, and he just got so fed up that he just went in the bar and was like, "Yo, I'm not playing anymore." Yeah, and then. Uh, it was like Monty at Wingfoot. <laughs> and then Willie Park went and finished the loop and came in and was like, kind of like, what? Confronted. What? I'm yeah. done. Yeah. Scores out there. And uh, yeah, so they had to, had to eventually had to, to cancel the match. I found it fascinating, too. The edge of the property uh, used to be right on the water. And now, you know, kind of standing on the first tee or at the clubhouse, like you can't see the water. Yeah. There was a big cold coal plant there. yeah and they would just dump, would uh, dump the, the slurry all the rocks yeah. and the stuff yeah and it just built up this land so now it's really not now on it's like the a nature preserve water. or something yeah. yeah so for historical importance here they were actually playing for the challenge belt until Correct. until uh young tom won it three years in a row it, at the final one in 1870 he shot 47 51 51 to win by 12 and to win the winner's share of six pounds we kicked the shit out of him <laughs> With the Hickory Clubs, we right? rocked him. We rocked him. <laughs> we so rocked yeah, that's that is our recommendation. If you're going to go to Musselboro, play with Hickory Clubs. Yeah, like it's, for sure. it's the course is interesting as a museum, but it was way more interesting. It was to in play. good shape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I thought it was really yeah. fun. It was really, really, really fun with the Hickories. I, I, don't, I don't know why you'd go there and play with full size clubs and and do that whole oh, thing. Oh god, but, yeah. Um, but with Hickories, it was phenomenal. And you can rent them on site. And you can do the whole th- like just yeah. Yeah, it's it's It'll worth. You, I think it's worth checking out. It'll it was, give you balls. Like the the only way I guess you can put it is that we had been traveling for whatever twenty some hours. We had already walked eighteen, and still we were like, all right, we like this is incredibly fun. We were all kind, we were all like pretty up for it. Slap happy, yeah. It was just, it was great. It kept us, kept us engaged. Well, and then we went. So afterwards, we went and uh, tried to go to the. Yeah, and if you yeah, if you do stop, go in the in the clubhouse. They also have one of the world's oldest, you know, golf clubs, which is, you know, obviously different than a golf course. So that Uh, was a big that was a big theme of the trip was just clubs everywhere. Golf clubs apart from golf courses. Right. So you're you're probably best at explaining. Well, it. go ahead, Randy. No, I'm o- I almost gonna liken it to like uh, uh, the the f- the finance world where it's like, um, like these mortgage backed securities or credit default swaps <laughs> that you know you can essentially okay you have <laughs> <laughs> no hear me out you know in, instead of just one course having one club you can have like four five six seven eight clubs around one course. It's like the derivatives market, right? Like, you know, one underlying instrument can spawn, you know, like three, four, five, six, however many other hey, if, if, derivative if, financial instruments. Are you worried about if a golf that's club? That's how you rationalize it. <laughs> no, I think it's sweet. I think it's I think but it's so, awesome. So, 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 so the Muscle Bro has one. Th- like three clubs. Right. And so the one old of them, yeah. So the oldest club, the Muscle World Golf Club, that's right kind of next to the first green, I think. Um, yeah, just this incredibly old building, and I got to go in there once a couple of years ago and have beers with the guys, and they're just it, – it, it is the anti-snooty golf club. I mean, it's a bunch of kind of blue-collar guys that, that belong to this club, and they go in and just drink beer and 
shoot the shit and watch watch golf on TV. And I mean, it is like the most welcoming place yeah. you can go. And so if if you're there, I'm sure that you know they would love to to have you in for that, a beer. That was well. one of the biggest disappointments. Haven't heard yeah, you talk close. about the club. That we went over there, knocked on the door. Uh, nobody nobody was in, so we weren't able to meet anybody or, or actually get in the club. But yeah, definitely. It was definitely like, do it that. was Sunday evening. Yeah. Everybody was at home with their Family families. Time. Yeah. <laughs> We moved along from Musselboro and uh, battling the jet lag, checked in. We stayed at the Ducks Inn, which I think we would all classify as pretty much a must-stay if you're in the area. It had... Uh, that place fucks. It was <laughs> awesome. It was... The, the rooms... The, the whole house is modest. It's not like a... It's not like a royal hotel of any kind, but it's exactly what you're looking for when you are on a golf trip. You spend next to no time in your room, but the pub they had there was maybe it was like imagining a golf a current golf museum pub that you would want to spend time in and the food was great and the owner there Malcolm has invented all these putting games around <laughs> around the bar including a game where you putt off of a bar stool onto the carpet into a seesaw and have to get the ball to balance in the seesaw and if you get it in there within eight attempts you get to put your name up on the wall it's all eventually succeeded yeah. which is good because if he hadn't I was going to say Malcolm was like a crooked carnival yeah <laughs> was running some crooked carnival <laughs> games that were impossible but Sully proved that they were possible yeah. I, I would still be in there we'll, we'll have video eventually in, in the travel series yeah. so it'll, it'll be much easier to kind of see but I thought the the pub was like again, you know, you just picture like a like a pub in Scotland, kind of centered around golf, and that's what the Ducks Inn was. Like it just, God, it just checked every box for me mentally. And it was a good location too, with driving to all the golf courses that we were. It was really close. I think and then you players. wake up the next day, and the food was full Scottish breakfast. There was among the best we had on the yeah. whole trip. Yeah. What'd you guys think of Haggis? Reluctantly, I, I really liked it's it. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's not Vegemite. That's it, for it's sure. It's not. Yeah, Vegemite was kind of the big food food uh, mystery of season one. Vegemite Haggis was, was a disgrace. Season two, and uh, yeah, I was, I was in by the by the end of it. I was a little unsure of it, but yeah, eventually once I let my inhibitions go, it was great. I just didn't want to think about it too much. Randy, can can you explain okay. what haggis is? It's uh, it's essentially everything from a sheep's stomach kind of ground up and mixed with oats and spices and then they bake it presumably in a different sheep's stomach <laughs> and that's yeah that's that's, that's it, it. Yeah. Um, god i'm getting hungry for lunch now i thought it was good as a toasty i thought that was the best yeah, presentation yeah. of it a little cheese on on some toasted bread that at least for me that's how i enjoyed it the most so reluctantly, we only spent one night in the Ducks Inn, and uh, our next stop, and kind of our purpose for going to East Lothian was we wanted to play North Berwick. That is the, uh, the I mean, there's other gyms. Obviously, Muirfield is located in East Lothian, and uh, Gullen there was hosting the hosting the Scottish Opens located there, and there's an endless array of courses, but North Berwick was the one that, one, we are able to have access to, and you can't really get on Muirfield. And uh, again, all these courses that we played, and like how it works in the UK, none of them are private. They're all clubs, but you can call up and book as a visitor and play them. North Barrick, DJ and I, we had played before, and it's uh, I think DJ walked into the first tee. You had not so sheepishly de- declared it that it's your favorite golf course in the world. Yeah, and I don't know how much that's changed. You know, now adding a bunch more to uh, to my context, but I, I I don't know that you can get a better back nine than you find at North Barrick. I mean, every single shot is interesting and fun and exciting and different than pretty much anything you've seen anywhere in the world, but. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's, it's phenomenal. And, and I think it's almost it, – it's it's kind of the course that over the last, I don't know, probably 20 years or whatever was was kind of 
you know, to quote Tron, maybe so underrated that it is now overrated. Uh, I think it, it kind of was this like sleeping giant for so long for so many people that the word has gotten out so much that now it's kind of overrun with with tourists a little bit. We heard some stories about people, you know, kind of members leaving and people getting a little bit upset at, at all the tourist play and stuff. Well, I think that's that's based on everybody we talked to there was that's kind of a microcosm (laughs) (laughs) of the whole town yeah it's it's on the it's like a 30 minute train ride from downtown edinburgh and there's there's just countless people moving in and it's kind of like their version of the hamptons right yeah um you know so i think every like the schools are really good there and the population's just exploded in in north barrack the town um but the, I mean, the course has so many similar characteristics to, like St. Andrews. Yeah. Like where yeah. You, you know, you just you start and you're playing, basically, you know, you're teeing off in this big field, essentially, right next to. It's kind of like the town square, and then you're working your way out nine nine out and basically nine back. Um, Shared fairway between one and eighteen. Mm-hmm. Eighteen kind of coming back towards the clubhouse, drivable hole with a big swale in front of it. The simul- similarities. Kind of a, a road down the right hand side. Yeah, it. Uh, and then yeah, you after those that first hole, you kind of turn left, whereas the old course you turn right and go out. But um, no, I th- well, let's talk about you know the the concept behind. I, I really enjoy this. I don't even think I've ever noticed it before this trip. In the first hole, kind of being an ease in hole, and the idea of finishing with a rather easy hole. And how that's been protected at a lot of these courses, and that like driving ranges aren't really a thing. In and I know that you know some courses have installed them to kind of appease the American visitors and whatnot, uh, which is a disgrace. We hit zero range balls in this trip. Let's <laughs> yeah. just say we're the well, best tourists ever. My favorite ranges are the just the hitting bays yeah, that yeah. you see at some clubs, where it's just like a net in in a cage, and it, you know if you want to go hit balls into a net to warm up, here you go. It's almost <laughs> like it's almost patronizing. Yeah. yeah, it's like oh yeah, you need a range. Yeah, here yeah. you go. This is <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is we installed this just for right. you. Mr. Which we were talking about it. I don't think I've hit a range ball in at least nine months. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. I don't know if I've hit a range ball in two years. <laughs> I despise going to the range. And so, Solly, to your point, like the kind of the ease in is I, I love it. Yeah, and it's it's fun to have like an easy finishing hole too that you look forward to playing and think like, all right, I can get one back here as we finish. Like golf doesn't always have to be hard. It's hard enough as it is. And um, I think so St. Andrews definitely follows that easy first hole and easy finishing hole. North Barracks the same way. Uh, Kilspindy was the same way. And I, I'll, I'll forget some here, but I, I love the courses that kind of give you that ease in and ease out. Usually the 17th hole is pretty tough and then they, yeah. they bring you, they bring you uh, something pretty easy coming in. But North, North Barrick, I think, Tron, to your point, like North Barrick reminds me so much of St. Andrews. It's just like slightly scaled down and probably a little less touristy. It's probably like St. Andrews was 50 years ago, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Just it's it's kind of eerie. Um, it, it, yeah, exactly. And they're probably fighting the same issues St. Andrews. You know, they're just 40, 50 years behind kind of the same issues the town of St. Andrews has dealt with as well. Um, I will say we got the we got the course in the opposite of the prevailing wind. I think I definitely enjoyed the course more the first time when it's into the wind on the way out and downwind on the way back. The part of what makes that back nine so interesting is the helping wind that comes in with you and the, a lot more decision making comes into some of the shots like on fourteen and deciding what bunkers you want to carry and like the pit hole is like a, it's a breeze. The thirteenth hole, which you've probably seen pictures of, where you play into the fairway and then you pitch over a wall into the green. Uh, it's one of the best holes probably in all of golf. And uh, into the wind, it's like kind of a beast, like kind of a hard, difficult hole. But uh, Tron, what was your what was your main takeaway from uh, from North Berwick? 
I thought the green, uh, just some of the green complexes were absolutely banana land. Um, and then my big takeaway was actually, uh, so Ricky Fowler was out there. He played played a few holes or few groups behind us and uh, came up and had a beer with us. Um, or had a, had a beer with Solly and DJ, I should say. And he backed Randy down yeah, Randy, so Randy put hard. His, Randy put his tail between his legs and went and hit out on the balcony. So for those of you unaware, Randy has been one of Ricky's most frequent and outspoken critics. He's labeled him late-stage capitalism, an empty suit, uh, among other things. And and Randy, Randy clammed up. Uh, pretty hard once he saw Ricky was around. First of all, I don't even want to dignify you know these baseless <laughs> lies and accusations. Um, a couple of facts to set straight. One, <laughs> playing two groups ahead of Ricky, I made a nice three on 18, and I think Ricky, under my watchful eye, got super nervous and made a four so barely like a 15 footer like, for four yeah had like, hitting, hitting two of the <laughs> shots left handed <laughs> he was really focused no, nonetheless um it was clear that for was, like a clean 67 yeah it was clear he was also shook the next day when he went and took the first round lead at the scottish <laughs> open well so anyway i was out on the balcony enjoying the view the lovely seaside air as per my doctor's recommendations <laughs> and you know, I, I was waiting for him. I, he knew where to find me, right? He was second one into the clubhouse. And he never made it out to the balcony. I had a lovely conversation with his caddy. Tron, you were out there. I, I thought we had a we had a delightful time. Um, but I think the onus was on Ricky. If, if he you wanted to so? say yeah. something to me, yeah. he knew where to find me. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's for totally sure. Fair. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> for sure aware of it. <laughs> uh well, what did you guys think of the golf course? I know this was one that that basically, you know, we had probably overhyped going in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I'm curious how it stood up to that. Uh, I thought the Redan was was kind of a disgrace. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, we're, we're talking about the original Redan upon <laughs> which all others are based. It wasn't very Redan-y. It I, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of with well, Tron it playing, on that. It was playing straight into the wind. Yeah, yeah. Also. right. Uh, I thought I actually thought the next green 16 gate that green was. Oh, one yeah. of the coolest greens we played it's the like entire a, it's trip. It's like a putt putt green. It's yeah. like it's insane. Awesome. But Each I hole mean, on that back nine has so much nuance to it. Fourteen's crazy good. Thirteen's crazy good. There was there was there was so many good holes out there. Um, I think I played a couple from the beach. That <laughs> that's the most refreshing thing about Scottish golf. Like you can go down to the beach and play it. Yeah. Dog, well, a dog stole my ball off. The yeah. Beach. Oh, <laughs> Number yeah. two, I had yeah. to take a drop, but. Randy uh, played volleyball with some uh, some passerbyers on the beach at Nairn. Yeah, yeah. At Nair, yeah we'll get there. Um, I thought seven, uh, the Eli Burnhole was yeah. very interesting, especially in the conditions. Again, kind of downwind. It's you know three hundred and fifty yard par four, um, but the you know it's kind of I don't know seventy yards kind of to the top, and then seventy yards kind of downhill to this burn protecting the green. And they had the flag like way in the front, essentially you know not not many paces. Uh, past the burn so it was like okay you can hit driver but if you really like solly i i don't think you couldn't hit driver like you would have hit it into the burn yeah like um, six iron i hit six iron yeah. yeah so it's like how far do you lay back to get a full number into the green um and then i laid back to get a full number into the green and then i chunked one 
Look, that the, can happen. It went in the burn. And then I tried to play it out of the burn, but it turns out there was rocks Yeah, it was a, in the burn. If you, I, you'd like to have that one over. I but it, it was like a 350-yard hole that's all out in front of you, and I was really happy hitting my approach shot to about 40 feet long and then well, just so trying to two-putt for par. We were walking off that one, and, and we're kind of like, all right, sweet. So this is a great example of a hole that you just physically you can't hit it within 20 feet yeah like i don't know can't. how you get it close to that so I, was, I was asking ricky boo. i was asking ricky <laughs> after the round like what did you hit on seven he's like uh hit it to the top of the hill and then you know just kind of hit uh hit a wedge that kind of took the slope and, and trickled down and hit to like three feet made birdie <laughs> i was like oh sick man all right that's cool <laughs> but like, regard in, into the wind that holds like driver nine iron probably yeah. at least and not that difficult yeah. but that's that's the yeah beauty. it's probably a weirdly an easier hole into the wind. oh definitely yeah. would be yeah uh, that's the yeah downwind doesn't necessarily make a hole easier on these golf courses and that's that's what's is so interesting to get a course in different winds is to see how you have to design a hole to be able to handle wind from all four directions it can't be unplayable from any one of the directions and that's why when the wind is down at these golf courses they're gettable like they're extremely gettable because they're not you're not we didn't get any 470 yard par fours because if you get a 30 mile an hour gale force wind into you that hole's like a par five and a half and they just that's just not how they design golf holes out there so i thought quickly i thought number nine was one of the better par fives that we played yeah. in scotland i think so it's minimum top two of best par fives and that's kind of a kind of a theme from i think from the trip was that the par fives on these old classic courses just aren't they're not like what we would consider strong par fives with modern technology they were designed i, I think I, my understanding is par fives used to be the most challenging holes back with the old equipment where you know you're not it's not get there in two it's all right now you gotta have three good shots thread a needle with your second shot yeah um yeah i'll agree with that i think 18 was one of my favorite finishing holes as well um you know there's 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 ob like you're playing directly back into the town it's basically like st andrews but without um without really the slope there in the back right Right. Mm -hmm. um and no burn no burn but uh, you know and it's great like the clubhouse is right there behind and then there's other clubhouses kind of scattered amongst there and then there's a parking lot all the way down the right side or a parking area what's yeah. really what's cool. funny is you what we walked off to that finish and you just you turned and you're like man 16 17 18 was all world i was like god yeah it is man but I, w- I like would 13, pick 13, 14, 13, 14, 15, <laughs> yeah. That six-hole stretch is yeah, the, yeah. The, the two people could walk off that 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 stretch and name two different three-hole stretches that were their favorite out of that six is is pretty amazing. So um, I, I thought the front nine was way more interesting this time around though too. Yeah, the, the downwind on the front made those holes a lot more a lot more playable and interesting. And mm-hmm. that was probably one of the stronger wins we got actually was at North Berwick. I think. Right. So I think North Berwick. If I that's that's among my favorites for if i could play it again like i think it'd be a grower yeah too. yeah i mean i liked it a lot the first time around but i think it w- i would only like it more and more and more yeah I, I think that's the course i walked off like wanting to play immediately again yeah which is interesting because there's so many holes out there that if somebody tried to build them today they would get shot get shot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would get they would be murdered yeah if they tried that's to build, if they tried to build any of those holes um Moving on from North Berwick, uh, we took the made the drive up about two hours to St. Andrews. Um, we spent three nights in the town of St. Andrews. We stayed at the David Russell Apartments there, which is basically like a, a dorm um, in some way. University of St. Andrews. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, da- I the David O. Russell I wouldn't apartments. change anything about that. I think that's kind of a cool way to cool way to take in the town. We went to the Dunvegan that night, of course. Um, the, uh, the famed ho- hotel slash bar 
there just about maybe 300 yards from the 18th green, um, which has just artifacts and pictures. And the pictures of all, basically anybody who's ever played the old course that is famous is photographed there with, with uh, Sheena, the old owner of the of the bar. It's now under under new management, but it, they still kept all of the relics. Of, yeah, it looked exactly the same. Yeah, it's it the exact was, same yeah. experience. It's yeah. just not, not her behind the bar there anymore. But um, great place for burgers and beers and, and food. And it is just the – like. You, you can't go to St. Andrews and not go in the Dunvegan. You meet people from all over the world in there. Most, actually, you meet people from all over the United States, really, in there <laughs> for the most part. But uh, it is a staple of that town, and for good reason. I think, uh, you know, a trip to, a trip to St. Andrews, every time we, I go there, I end up playing more golf than I probably should, and I should just spend more time hanging in pubs like that or, or places like that. So That was a very shooter for Gavin sentence. What's that, every time I come here, it gets hard to leave. It was just weird. Like you, you, you pull in St. Andrews and we parked right next to the 18th green and Trump's you like, just kind of see it and you're like, holy sold. shit. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, like, oh my God, it's real. real? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, I can park right next to the 18th yeah. green? Like it, it's it, and So yeah, our plan. Um, so I, I know we on last year's podcast, we, we detailed kind of ways to get on the old course, but to quick, quickly go over it. Uh, it is the hardest tee time, obviously, to get, but it's also a course that you can get on if you're dedicated to it. You can book a tee time well in advance, usually through a like a travel planner in some way, or you can reserve do advanced bookings. I think right around now for 2019, if you want to, if you want to base your trip around it and have a set tee time at the old course, you can do that. Uh, you can also go online and enter the ballot two days in advance. Um, I am personally 0 for 4 entering the ballot. I've never <laughs> won it, but you can enter to sign up between two, three, and four people. I think uh, to you know be awarded a tea time. I don't know how many tea times they keep. We were visiting at one of the busier times of the year, the week before the open. So I'm not that surprised that we didn't win the ballot, um, especially entering as a foursome. But those are the two ways to play in advance to get a tea time. And granted, the people I got paired with eventually want they entered the ballot twice in one week and won both times. Yeah, so it does it, happen. It, it definitely happened. The system hates the system hates <laughs> me, I guess. But uh, the third way, which is the way that we chose and uh, the way I've been three for three in playing the old course, is. Go to the old pavilion there, right next to the first tee, lining up. We lined up around 3.15, 3.20, I think, is when we got there, a.m. We had uh, a little scare, Randy. Randy, <laughs> Randy overslept a little. We thought we lost, Randy. <laughs> we wanted to make it by three. Um, we were lucky enough, of course, to uh, cross pass timing-wise with uh, Poosh Daddy, from, uh, the lead singer from Iration. He was there. He beat us there. He was seventh in line. He got there at three, seventh in line. We were eight, nine, ten, eleven in line. To uh, they open the doors at six at the old pavilion, and they will show you what tea times they have available, and you can kind of choose what uh, wh- when you want to go. And we, you know, the the, four, the five of us were again seven through eleven in line. We all were teeing off like twelve ten, twelve twenty, twelve forty, and twelve fifty. Paired up with different people, we all got separated. I was fortunate enough to get to play with Poosh Daddy, um, whose real name is Micah, <laughs> Mr. Poosh, Mr. Poosh. <laughs> um, but and yeah, so we all kind of had a different old course experience. We didn't all get to play it together, but we all got to play within an hour of each other and enjoy pretty much the, I, I, the best walk in golf. I, I, I'm I'm in search of an experience that is better. Uh, than the old course, but for the two that just had played it for the first time, I want to hear what your uh, what your big takeaway was from the old course. It was like I had really, really, really high expectations, and after the maybe the drive on the second hole, I was like, "All right, cool. This is going to surpass all of those expectations." I I get it, and yeah, I mean, I just 
you know, if you don't like the old course, you can get the hell out. <laughs> Period, point blank. Yeah. Which we did meet a couple of those people in the bars and stuff. You know, yeah, look, I went and played the old course. You know, it's kind of something you have to do. It's not my favorite. You know, I I thought it was just okay. I've never never played a course where after every, like, normally after you play a course, you're like, oh, man, I want to go play that course again. After every single hole, (laughs) I didn't even want to go play the next hole. I just wanted to go play that hole over and over and over again and keep unlocking the secrets to it. To DJ's point, though, like, I... People that say that, I don't. I can understand that. I honestly yeah. can. I mean, it's not visually. It is a bit funky, and it's not something that's just going to blow you away visually. And honestly, probably my first time playing it, part a lot of the nuance was lost. Was for sure lost on me. I was expecting it to just blow me away visually, and it didn't uh, until I started to kind of start to figure out. Honestly, it was the the, the caddy that I had when I played it last year. His name's Brett Murray. I stayed in touch with him after the round because he was such an awesome caddy in pointing out all the different options you have off the tee and the strategies that he was lining me up for. And he's like, all right, yeah, you're 156 here. We want a 112 shot. And I was, I was like, what? He's like, it's going to hit that swale and it's going to run out and be 15 feet short. And it would. And and so I, I stayed in touch with him. I was like, all right, that you are carrying for me again this time around. And again, he just would blow my mind with like, all right, 16th hole, we're going to play this one like the pros play. We're playing down three fairway right now because of where the pin is and blah, blah, blah. We're going to take the OB out of play. And just the amount of ways you can play these golf holes and the slopes you got to play around, I just – it. I, I can't imagine a more fun, strategical golf course to play. The options are legitimately endless. And I think because of that, it turns into this just like crazy, hectic – war zone yeah. <laughs> just balls are flying all over and you're hitting into groups and groups are hitting into four you four groups and, on the same yeah, plot of land which right sounds crazy and stupid but when you're doing it you're like oh god this is the best oh, glorious so, madness it is yes. glorious madness like the uh, 7th and 11th holes cross and you might have two groups on two or three groups on each hole plus the caddies there might be like 35 people on the on this on these <laughs> the same piece of the property at the same time and yeah, it's, it's awesome just, it's, it's just bad. madness Tron and I actually got to be crossed as he was playing 11 and I was playing 7. I uh, told him to crack on. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was it's the greatest. It, 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 I'm, I'm forever enthralled by that golf course and don't think it's everyone you can totally figure out and totally know every in and out of, but, like, I want to continue to play it. And the, the, the students that get to, like, live there for a summer and play it 30, 35 times, that, is, that might be the golf dream for me. Like, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. You guys nailed it with just kind of the the madness. I, I almost liken it to trying to play golf in the middle of a busy airport. Like imagine like <laughs> Terminal B at O'Hare, and like everybody's just playing golf, going different directions, and um, you just like what is going on out here? And then you get to eighteen, and there's tourists like running up on the bridge to take pictures, and it is just kind of like a glorious mass of humanity. Um, when we got to 18, there was uh, this, I, th- I think they're a Korean family, you know, this guy run just no regard for us <laughs> playing the golf hole runs out on the bridge, stands there. He's got his foot up, like, like you know, Al- Alexander the great yeah. just conquered the golf course. And, you know, we get up to him and we think he's going to get out of the way. And he's like, Hey, can I borrow your golf club? Like I forgot my <laughs> golf club. Like, Oh yeah. Like you were going to bring it for, for this. <laughs> And he borrows uh, my playing partner's golf club, and he stands there with his club over his shoulder. And I mean, it was just—I don't know. It, it's just—it's. Did he ask you guys to take the photo too? Like you're the ones <laughs> playing the hole? Yeah, exactly. He was just—it's just a complete madness. It's yeah. the best. So I think I actually enjoyed. Like I was paired up with a father 
and two his two sons. I kind of liked like no offense to you guys. Yeah. We played a lot of golf together. Yeah, yeah, it was fun to get out and like go play with yeah. some other people. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so so I was with this this family from Mexico, and um, one of the sons, you know, he showed up. I think to the to the, to the um, you know pavilion at. 3.30 a.m. and he was wearing like a full-on Gucci. Like tracksuit. Yeah, tracksuit. And I was like, man. And then I ended up getting paired with him. And one of them. <laughs> they were like, you two look like you guys would have a lot to talk about. So on the, fir- on the, first, on the first hole, he, uh, he, he shanks one. He hosels one across the Himalayas putting green. <laughs> Which, again, is just a mass of humanity. It's like, <laughs> There's hundreds of people out there putting. And, you know, the caddy goes over and, like, apologizes to everybody. And people are just scurrying about. And then on 18, he he basically hosels, like, a three-wood or a driver off of one of the hotels, one of the buildings down the right. Like, It'd so be sweet if right. it was a three-wood, like, he was trying to play really sensibly. And then and then hits, like, almost hits a, a couple walking their dog. And <laughs> yeah. it was it was madness. It was awesome. It's the best. Uh, the the whole thing, uh, I don't know if this is a good comparison because I don't, I'm not a huge fan of like visiting DC or maybe I've just never been there at the right time. But it just feels like going to like a capital city of of golf, you know. And it's just there's tourists everywhere, but still you're you're kind of like, man, this is really cool to see. This yeah. is, you know, I don't know if that if that makes sense or not. But and then the Dunvegan, I think, is kind of like the. Like there's the, no novel the actual it. capital it's, building it's, yeah because you know, code you just like see everybody there and it's just <laughs> that first tee <laughs> shot is nerve-wracking like that's one of the yeah. more nerve-wracking shots in i was weird for us yeah i was weirdly less nervous than i thought i would be but i was still nervous because yeah. you pured it off that first because tee. i like hosel skanked this <laughs> hybrid that didn't get higher than a foot off see the i did the opposite i i hit like a just a mega queef monster <laughs> It actually played close to the hazard. Yeah, at a great angle. It's kind of the dragon. Queen. My, my <laughs> I, quickly, my favorite anecdote that happened to me at, at at the old course was I was playing seventeen and just hit a beautiful drive. Uh, just a big <laughs> cut around the hotel, sitting in the middle of the fairway. Uh, the pins kind of on the on the right side, so you're not really dealing with uh, the bunker there. And I hit again you know a common theme just a, a, a terrible approach shot and it actually <laughs> like it's right and it, it catches the road and it bounces up over the the wall um out of bounds so i play out the hole and i play out 18 and i'm sitting behind 18 uh waiting for you guys to come in and just minding my own business and this this older gentleman walking a dog uh you know just comes up to me he sits down and after about 10 20 seconds he's like he just kind of out of the, the side of his mouth goes what happened with that second shot on 17 <laughs> and i just started laughing and I, I blamed it on my caddy who was phenomenal caddy danny it, it definitely wasn't his fault but you know we, we just got to talking for about 10 minutes he's a local but just that that guy had been walking saw me hit you know on 17 walked into town obviously saw me sitting on 18 and you know, would would say that to me. It's just like that's that's kind of St. Andrews. That's the old course. You were you were getting some shouts from the Jigger in too, playing seventeen. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I I after I hit it OB, I I dropped and played. You know, a, a, an Irish drop. No, no, this was no, a this a was a real drop. drop. Yeah, a proper drop. And so I hit up greenside. I was standing over my putt, which was for five, I guess. But these these guys thought I was putting for birdie, and, and they go. 
hey stretch <laughs> they're american i'm like i'm like i know they're talking to me I'm like yeah what's up he's like you know if you make birdie on the road hole nobody's gonna believe you back home and i go well this is actually for five and they go well okay all the same <laughs> cheers yeah and I, I ended up two putting for six, but just the interact, you know, you, you just are constantly just interacting with people uh, on and off the course. It's just, it's like intimate. It's wild. It's, it's a public park. You yeah. Can walk around the golf yeah. course. You don't have to have a tee time to go out and walk the golf course if you want to. And Sundays they're closed entirely. And it is people, you can picnic in the 18th fairway if you want to. I mean, Scotland's the best. It's the best. <laughs> it was the most engaged. I mean, probably the best round I've, like I played on the whole trip, but it was the most engaged I've ever been in a round of golf. Yeah, you shot 76 first go around with and, two doubles, right? Yeah, first go around the old course. And, and allegedly, no, yeah, none allegedly. of us were there no, to verify. Yeah. There's no one to yeah. attest. Yeah, you um, got the Gucci sweatpants as our only witness. <laughs> the, the road hole is legitimately the the coolest hole I've, I've ever seen in my life. Like, yeah, you you can't even concept it. Yeah, if you, you could know. execute it, if you built that course, I that, kind of agree yeah. with that. It's it's the best. I, we finished the round. I was the last one to finish in rain, and I came down, and you guys were at the Jigger Inn. We all met up at the Jigger Inn for beers. And I don't know if you guys could tell, but like we just when we got there, the smiles on your guys' faces when we got there. You guys were having some beers with some like – you played with some Aussie podcast listeners, I think. And yeah, who were – they were there for two months. They were in Scotland <laughs> for two months. Like, we're, we're kind of going around, right. and people are like, oh, you guys playing a lot of golf? I'm like, oh, listen to all the golf we're playing. And I asked these guys, and they're, they're like, yeah, we're over here. We're getting a pretty big trip. We're, we're over here about two months. <laughs> and actually, we saw them the next the next day at, uh, at, Crail. at Crail, and we're, we're hitting a town their fairway, and they're hitting a town our fairway. Um, yeah, they were great. Yeah. So, but, yeah, had some beers to jigger in. That's kind of the uh, – in, in a 24-hour span, had the, the St. Andrews experience. I think we would have loved to have spent more time there and gotten out to the new course and gotten out to the Eden course. The Eden I never actually played the sick. Eden. Yeah. I'd uh, love to play Jubilee. Um, yeah, I mean, you could go just – like surely you could go just to St Andrews for five six days and, and yes. only play golf there. Correct uh, under the St Andrews the umbrella. Yeah. You could go to the oh gosh, we should do a whole separate podcast about do, the, oh, the ladies' putting club. Tell us about it. Do we even want to go there? Well, so that's <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. We want to save we'll, we'll, we'll try to do it really quick. So you guys woke up the next day and went and played Crail for the travel series. Uh, Randy and I thought it'd be beneficial for us to go kind of get into town and. And see what we could scare up. We ended up mostly just hanging out at the the St. Andrews Ladies Putting Club uh, for you know maybe I don't know two hours. And uh, the the quick history that we learned from our guy Kevin uh, in, in the the manager of the new manager of new the, manager of the, the, the Himalayas the Himalayas as which was the first thing he informed us. It's not actually pronounced Himalayas. It's pronounced the Himalayas. And uh, was basically that this this wild putting green that all these tourists you know are, and a lot of people listening are probably very familiar with is actually owned by the St. Andrews Ladies Putting Club, which was formed as as kind of a thing for all of the wives. Putting society, isn't it? Uh, putting Club. Oh, okay. You're thinking of the Jacksonville Beach okay. Putting Society, Correct. which is forthcoming. Gotcha. More to come on that in a future Sorry. episode. Uh, but, but the land, So this club was started by basically the wives of the RNA members back in the day. You know, Like all, 150 years ago. Yeah, all the RNA members were men, and so the wives kind of needed something to do. They liked golf as well, so they started uh, this putting putting club, and they let the public go out there and, and basically play for nothing. I mean, it's like two pounds or a pound like. for seniors and kids. Yeah, I think three pounds for adults. But whenever they want to have uh, challenges like putting comps, as they call it, medals, medals, 
they close it down and Kevin has to go kick everybody off and explain what's going on and they all get dressed up and they come in and they have tea and then they have these one-on-one putting matches and Randy and I were watching this for a long time because all of these women who are kind of probably north of 60 65 I would say some as old as skewed I think older 90 yeah. they were saying yeah uh just have they have just dead weight from like 40 feet over feet, like three over the- humps around a bend <laughs> and yeah. they all knock it like inside three feet almost every time and then they all have the yips <laughs> inside three feet and so it's just this crazy wild interesting thing and yeah. uh Anyways, it blew my mind and it made me think like, man, if there was a putting society in Jacksonville Beach, I would – one night a week you just go have putting matches with guys and drink beers and, uh, and some of guys them are and like gals. really I under say. the radar kind of bitchy. And, uh, well, well, I think there's some internal – yeah, I, I think with very any – very gossipy. With any club, yeah. yeah, it seemed – You know, <laughs> got all little, that in two hours. A little yeah, clicky. Yeah, we were talking to one of the members and she was kind of filling us in on <laughs> a some A source of the, familiar with the situation. Yeah, <laughs> so, some of the politics. You know, there, there was a disqualification that somebody was rankled about uh, from a previous medal. They 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 have like a hundred. I don't know. That might be. They they, they have heaps of medals though. Yeah. I mean, that was a different cups from the whole and trip. contests and competitions. How many comps all these yeah. clubs have? So okay. we caught them on a. Explain uh, medals. Yeah, let's let's do that. Well, sorry. Yeah, after, go ahead. After you. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, the medals are they have all these competitions that where they essentially play for a medal, not just club championships. Like but they one have or the, two a week. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, oh yeah, big competition, yeah. and they yeah. You, there's all these historical medals so that the you could have a three club medal. You yeah. could have a match play stable. You know, you could yeah. have a Stableford medal, and then then they have cups, which as um, the gentleman at Crail explained, like the the transition from medals, which were kind of based in military lore and military tradition, because a lot of the club uniforms were were like military. Thank you for your service. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I'm surprised. You know, certain club companies haven't instituted uh, <laughs> medals for their sponsors uh but and then they transitioned to cups which was basically to to promote the social feeling amongst them um so the the cups would you know you would drink out of the cup at so like the claret jug that's you were like it's not only respectful to drink out of it it's like you're like legally required to drink out of it that's why it was a disgrace when zach johnson ate corn on the cob out of the claret jug you're supposed to drink out of it uh sorry to interrupt you but continue where you're going with the well yeah so the ladies play for all these different medals and caught them on a wednesday uh match play 18 hole match play uh medal Good matches coming down. We saw a couple go to extra holes. Yeah. Don't uh, spoil yeah. it for the content. Yeah, 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 look, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, not many concessions Well, so th- because of the yips. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and so the last thing I'll say kind of about the whole, you know, clubs and, and that kind of thing is I was thinking about just personally and how much more golf it would make me want to play if I belonged to something like that. Because right now, you know, fortunate to have you guys living in the same town and, you know, always kind of pulling – to go play golf or to go do something, but I'm sure a lot of people listening to this don't I mean, have before don't have that. before this trip. I don't yeah. think I'm going to be pulling well, out yeah, to right, play right, golf right, anymore. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you You'll know, play with us, though, won't you? Think, thinking about a lot of people listening to this probably have that situation where it's like, you know, they're serious golfers, but they don't have a ton of golfing friends or whatever. And having like a putting, not a putting society, but having like a a golf club like this where you constantly had 50 people pulling at you like hey come play the three club hey come do this hey come do this hey come do this god think about how much more golf that would make you want to play rather than hey 
Maybe we can find like a 7.52 tee time. It's going to be like 60 bucks. And we'll like, play do you a wanna, four ball. Yeah, do you want to play or not play? It's so easy to be like, no, not really. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, but it, just the whole structure of it is so much different and just so much more conducive to well, actually playing golf. And that's what's genius about the kind of the derivative nature of these clubs where you can have multiple clubs around the same course. So you, you can have just different you know, social feelings in different clubs. Like one can skew younger and more social and it's like yeah, the new you know. the new club at St Andrews is is right. A lot of college students and a lot of right. guys that caddy over at King's Barnes and as, yeah. a, as opposed to obviously like the RNA where you have to wear a you know a sport coat to right. even walk in. Yeah. And yeah, that's what you just don't get here, right? Right. And so yeah, regarding Fife and St Andrews as well, I mean we again we agree we could spend five, six days just playing around there. So People are familiar with Kings Barnes and obviously with Carnoustie, the open leading up. That was not, we were not able to access that course. And uh, we, you know, I played Kings Barnes a couple of times. It's, it's a fantastic course. We didn't get to go there on this trip. Uh, obviously it's one we'd love to fit in. We wanted to get a little bit off, a little bit off the beaten, beaten path. I know that these, these are not hidden gems or secrets of golf courses, but uh, while those, these guys were gallivanting around with the ladies on the putting green, Tron and I went and checked out Crail, uh, which is a, one of the oldest and I don't remember how they define it there, but one of the oldest clubs in the world as well. Uh, the Crail Golfing Society. The Crail Golfing Society. This place is stretched out on just an incredible piece of land. Uh, and is, of course, I'd love to play with hickories, I think, actually, sometime. Yeah. But, um, Tron, what was your, uh, what was your reaction to, to our, our jaunt around Crail that morning? It was, it was hard. It was the, one I of the hardest it, courses we played. I thought I it was harder than, yeah, it was just really raw. And, Par 69, 5,700-yard mm, course. Um. And it was probably the most dangerous golf course I've ever played, but and and not not really in a bad way. It was almost kind of in an invigorating way, similar to St Andrews. It's like there's just there's so many groups traversing. You know, it's just a really compact piece of property. Uh, there's holes crossing over. There's you know there's tees that are right behind greens where you're hitting it directly back over that green. Um, but yeah, I mean there was the the use of the land is just spectacular. Uh, the the opening stretch in you know, the first six seven eight holes, and then there's there's kind of this back paddock as well. There's a big cave in the middle of it that like need, Constantine, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, thousand yeah. year old bones yeah. or whatever were found in this um, cave. And you know who lives in that cave? Though, <laughs> <laughs> um, the bogeyman. <laughs> and then they've got a championship course there as well, designed by Gil Hans. The Craighead um, course. Yeah, so it was yeah it was an eminently enjoyable. Um, walk but yeah man i got beat up a little bit out there Gil, you know who, what else Gil hands did so we we were talking with the, one of the pros of the clubhouse and i've been talking about asking about the Gil hands course neither of us had played that one and this guy from the from the doors was like Gil hands he did Wingfoot, where we're members <laughs> <laughs> that's what i love about golf i guess picture like, like it's kind just of like connecting with with people you know yeah i kind of picture like a record scratch moment where like the music stops and everybody just like turns and looks at the guy and i was like oh god you are that you are that new yorker right there um but no that, that stretch the first five holes there along the water i enjoyed crail more this time around than i did the first time again the conditions play play into that um some really interesting fun holes out there and kind of fits into that kill spindy category of look we're not telling you to base a trip around going to crail but 
if you're looking for some kind of variety, this is the exact course it's you essential. should have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, that, that, again, that clubhouse experience with all the drawings and all the medals and all the things they have in there was spectacular. Awesome, awesome views and some really, really fun golf holes. Some golf holes are a bit lacking out there, but, I mean, it is kind of more in the relic category, and it's definitely so far from a modern course. It's not... It's not stretched out for any kind of championship. The whole the new course that they built there in the early two thousands kind of gets overshadowed as well by by Kings Barnes, which and that was, was built. actually Hans's first first design, first solo design. Correct, and I guess yeah. he was he was good friends with the the professional at the club at that at that time, and uh, and they asked him to do it, and he he incorporated. There's a wall out there, Hadrian's Wall. <laughs> and, uh, Most people don't know that. I think it, I think it crosses the wall four or five times. Um, but yeah, it was, it was such a, there were so many awkward shots on that course that it, it like, it was, it was not a comfortable course to play, but in a good way, yeah. like it, it, it challenged you and, and stretched your, your kind of limits a little bit. Good condition too. It's in really yeah. good condition. And the first hole is like a little drivable for again, eases you in. It's got a house next to it. I don't, I don't remember exactly what that house is. It's a lifeboat. So, so there's a, there's a big, uh, lighthouse that was designed by, it was the, it's the model. It's basically the template lighthouse. For all lighthouses designed for the next hundred years, the original Redan lighthouse. Yeah, uh, by it was designed by Robert Louis Stevenson. Oh, sure. And uh, it's like fourteen miles off the coast, and basically there's these there's, there's this group of rocks out there, and they were they're getting shipwrecks like all the time. So they built this lifeboat house out there on the first hole, and then you know everybody would just throw the light boats in there, go get all the shipwrecks. So. Hmm. Um, so after our little, and we, we pushed out, he came and played with us as well at Crail. Uh, we had a good time there. We, uh, we suspended our, our game. We, we had a game, a, a week long game going, which I think we could officially call, are we going to call it tilt? Sure. Stack tilt. and tilt. I, tilt. I wanted to call it stack and tilt, but apparently that name has been taken. So we talked about it a bit on the Bandon <laughs> podcast. We modified it a little bit for this version. I think it's kind of a, our final version. So, uh, eight points for an Eagle, four points for a birdie. Um, uh, two points for a par, zero for a bogey, and minus. Now it's minus four for a double bogey. We'd had minus two. We decided you need a harsher penalty. These are all net scores. All net scores. Uh, if you make a net birdie, your next hole you go on tilt. Your next hole is worth two times as many points. If you make another net birdie, your next hole is worth three times as many points. Or you know, if you just make an eagle flat out, you surpass two x and you go straight to three x. So you can get on tilt and get hot, but then if you throw it back with like a, when you're on three X and you make double, you lose twelve points and you're right back to the field. So came down to the final hole of the entire match, two hundred and seven holes or whatever. Um, no spoilers though. No spoilers. You got to tune into the series to see uh, <laughs> to see who the winner of that was. Um, but uh, we suspended that for that, and then we the four of us got back together for an afternoon round at Ely, uh, which is another a course that uh, is in. I, I, I prefer Ely over Crail, I think. I don't know if you feel the same way, Tron. Um, I prefer Ely over just about <laughs> any course I've ever played. But again, it is... it is. Uh, so yeah, let, let's, see, let's hear about your guys' experience with Ely. First, I want to hear from the man across the table from me about what he was told at the uh, pro shop when he went to check in. Uh, right. So after gallivanting around with the, uh, with the ladies in the morning, I thought it would be Wait, good. Yeah, real please. quick, though. We also went around town st andrews the town yeah and then there's a couple things i love in life one is seeing college campuses <laughs> and two is exploring new towns and so i i would be happy going to st andrews and like not golfing for a couple days just for sure going around town different pubs restaurants seeing the sights um 
So we had a lovely day. I think we undersold how lovely of a day we had. It was great. Yeah. Lovely is the word to say. It. Uh, and so we popped back into the David O. Russell apartments, and I was like, you know, if we get in some unseasonably warm weather, I'm going to pop some shorts on. Uh, showed up to Ely. Uh, they were not a fan of uh, seeing my calves, apparently. And uh, I had kind of normal. Mr. Steal Your Girl rolling up. That's what they were worried about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had normal just kind of ankle socks on that was not uh, within the guidelines of club policy. Uh, they're like, we just, you know, we regret to inform you that you're going to need to uh, purchase some knee high length socks. Luckily for me, they had some available for purchase, uh, which I think were like were four options. Four options, yeah. There was like a like a Kansas City Royals blue, like the George Brett option. There was like a all black, all black. Um, yeah, I don't know that that would be kind of like a shoeless Joe Jackson kind of look. It was uh, like a Jaguars teal. There was a like an electric teal. And then there was like a radioactive yellow, well, uh, and, and a red, and a red, right, yeah, right. like a, which seemed kind of a little more regal than than uh, what I would. And, and picture these aren't like mid calf socks; these are like for like soccer no, players, you know, yeah, like yeah. like the big soccer socks that kind of cover your shin guards and come all the way up to like your knee. Yeah. So uh, luckily, you know, the the honor of the game of golf was preserved because I was able to uh, to purchase some bright yellow socks, and uh, <laughs> which I think kind of was able to construe from. You know, really five, six fairways away. Just how much I respect the game. Uh, <laughs> you were a disgrace, and they put you in your place. Yeah, you're right. And this is all happening in this little things were happening little pro quickly. shop next to the first tee. This little starter's hut, and there's a giant periscope. Like you're submarine. in a submarine. Yeah, yeah, which was cool. It's like so. It's a blind first shot over this hill. Um, yeah, and it was you, you know, use the periscope obviously yeah. to see if the group ahead is cleared. And one th- one more thing about the socks that I thought was cool. While while I may uh, respectfully disagree with the policy, uh, I did think it was objectively very funny that the socks that they had available for purchase were just the brightest, <laughs> they were most hideous, grotesque socks possible. It was, it was a scarlet letter situation. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was pretty funny, and I give them props for it. Was also for only doing that. enforced for men. Right. Yeah, you know. that's that's certainly true. It was a very sexist policy. <laughs> that's certainly. <laughs> I what think I think a lot's been made of, you know. I think that that's kind of a misconception yeah. about Scotland is it's, you know, there's there's still a couple holdouts, you know, namely Muirfield, where like you know they, they don't have women members, but as evidenced by the ladies putting society, and this sexist policy at <laughs> Ely. <laughs> You know, when are men in Scotland going to catch a break yeah, in no, golf? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the question. You know, per, perhaps we've we've swung too far to the other end of the pendulum. <laughs> we, uh, I think, we got maybe the the night, the summer night in Scotland. Uh, the course was almost entirely to ourselves. This was the World Cup, the England Croatia match was the uh, was the, the night we were out there. Uh, we were informed in the in the clubhouse about this pub that's located just off the fourth off the fourth tee and just off the seventeenth green called the 19th hole and uh, somewhat of a tradition that you just after three holes or after 17 holes you roll into this pub and have a beer uh we took that opportunity yeah after three great. holes we were caught we were, a little of the wimbledon yeah caught yeah, some tennis great. and had a had a pint before hitting back out to the course and uh, had it to ourselves but i think i you, you guys had i mean i i really enjoyed ely but you guys seem to be completely blown away by this so experience. it's 16 par fours and two par threes yeah which any other time I'd say that's an absolute disgrace. I love par threes <laughs> and I love par fives, but there was so much variety and 
the conditioning was just insane and the 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 run-up areas and the the greens i think the big one of the biggest takeaways from the entire trip for me was how much of a freaking savage james braid is or was um (laughs) just the possibly the baddest ombre on the planet (laughs) yeah cosine listen listen ely is my spiritual center it's it's my home what, what, what do you mean by that? It was, I've never, I, I just, and, and this is where it's like my limited vocabulary is, I, I just can't possibly do justice to the feelings of content, uh, just being content uh, out on a golf course. It, it, it has every, it has all the aspects that I want. Um, it's, it's eminently playable. It's ground game options, creativity galore. You got the beautiful little town of Ely um, butting up against, you know, kind of one side of the property. Well, you kind of play Both through sides. a corridor, yeah. yeah, of the town, and then you get out uh, by the by the water. There's just a huge, wonderful cliff out by the 13th green that you play towards. Um, probably my favorite spot in all of Scotland. Yeah, uh, like the stretch from 10, 10 11, 12, 13. Mm was but it was just that it was, it was that good. late afternoon early evening golden light um we had the course to ourselves we were all playing fairly well it just it can't get better than that um, we're out on the fifth or sixth green and we hear a cheer from yeah from probably the a mile hole. away yeah, from the yeah. pub yeah and in uh england had scored yeah the world cup game was going on so we had the entire golf course to ourselves you <laughs> have you know, you got Hadrian's Wall in play off <laughs> off the back of three, which is like this criminally underrated downhill par three. Um, like eight kind of coming up with uh, that little dirt road kind of buttressed up against the front left of the green. Um, for, you know. a, for a course with 16 par fours, I've never played a course with more variety. Yeah, you forget either. all about that. You don't, it's you not don't even, even notice a, it. It's not even a consideration. Yeah. Like 10 is a short four where it's like up – uh, and up up this hill and then down um 10 was i, I hit yeah. driver driver i just like chipped a little driver down the hill I, I convinced dj who was like further down the hill to hit his chip shot back up the hill to try to get a run i still believe that was the right play too dj <laughs> yeah it wasn't but um, <laughs> it, it was that firm and fast though. yeah yeah like i i convinced him to play 40 yards back uphill to get the slope to run it down to the green listen i'd rather make five that way than make a, a unmemorable four yeah it, it i don't just, remember what you guys made on that hole but i remember why i made five <laughs> and the views the views uh you know across the firth of fourth you got some wind farms in the background on the hills uh that was more dj and, and randy's oh yeah vibe. a lot of renewal a lot of renewal uh, there was an oil rig yeah. out in the middle that was more my vibe <laughs> tron is, yeah tron had a drill baby drill shirt on <laughs> Uh, but you can see across to Barrick and all that across the way. Um, yeah, I mean, I think probably 10, 11, 12, 13. You said 13 had buck club vibes to it. Oh, yeah, for Thir- sure. 13 was, God, it was good. Um, Dog leg left around just, the water there. And yeah, and the green was kind of redanny. Kind of plata- yeah, plateau, um, redanish style green. It was, yeah, it was, it dis- was gross. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. You were you were disgusted. I think by about fourteen, you just kind of laid down. I yeah, I just couldn't <laughs> handle it. I, it's it's as good as it gets for me. So uh, one thing, Randy, 
I think Randy, you took a push cart almost every round. Yeah, or a trolley, I, I should say. And then, I took a caddy at the old course, and then I walked a few with my dog set, which we'll we'll get into. Your canine in set, yeah. But uh, the 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 trolley situation. The trolley situation, uh, you, you got to give. They're they're available everywhere, which is great. I think that's the most important. But um, they're not they're not the best trolleys, by and large. <laughs> Castle Stewart, the newest course over there that we played, the the most recently built course, had the best trolleys, and then um, Dornick had good trolleys as well. But there were some bad trolleys too Ely didn't have the best trolley they're trying to get you to do they have like electric ones there too i think they're trying to get you to up they're trying to upsell you yeah yeah i'm not trying to get into an electric one you don't want a runaway cart situation on you um so yeah Ely was a uh was so i'd played Ely before in very different conditions and it was this i mean like the whole rest of the trip this was the conditions just contributed so much to the experience and and that's the way the course is designed to be played meant to be played and with that those conditions it was it was a fantastic experience so much fun all the way from tea to green um and kind of fits that mold in the in the the course that is not one of the top knowns i mean a lot of people that have traveled to scotland have played there and are aware of this course but it's definitely one that needs to be on your radar if you want to get out of st andrews to play and if you want to you know, want some variety as compared to Kings Barnes and the Castle Course and Carnoustie and any of the other courses there. Ely is Ely and Crail are the ones that, and we didn't get to play London Links, which we've heard great things about. Push Daddy had great things to say about. Um, that's one that we need to get yeah, back London to at some Links, point. Levin. The new course is fantastic. Yeah. It's I, one of my favorite courses in Scotland. I think of the ones that of the ones that we played. I think you know if Bag Tag Barry's looking to get out for one round amongst the people, I think it's probably Ely, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the best suggestion. You got to. Yeah. You, I, I don't know. Ely was probably the most, one of the most, probably two or three most enjoyable rounds of golf I've ever played. I'm, I, I completely agree with you. All right, that is a lot for uh, just the first half of this trip. We're going to cap part one right here, and we're going to get into Cruden Bay, Cullen, Castle Stewart, Dornick, Brora in part two, and then kind of do a wrap up at the end of that. So thanks for tuning in, and stay tuned for part two. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most.